chapter 24 and verse 46. Luke 24 and 46 says, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power upon high. Lord, we love you. We praise you, Jesus, for this day. And I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move and to be with us. Help us, dear Lord, as we do your word. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? amen. You may be seated. We live in a world today where there are many, many kinds of teachers. There are teachers that teach law. There are medical teachers that teach doctors and nurses. There are uh, environmental teachers. There are teachers that teach crafts, anything from refrigeration, heating, and cooling, to electrical, to anything that you can think about, auto, um, there are teachers that teach uh, culinary, and that's probably my favorite. If you don't know what culinary is, it's learning to fix food so you can eat it, making it pretty so that you can eat it. Praise the Lord. Culinary and, of course, welding and, and all kind of things, even sales. But they're teachers, and they teach. And uh, uh, we need those teachers. Where would we be today if it was not for our doctors, our nurses, Men that can fix our heating and cooling, uh, men that could, uh, uh, you know, construct a home. Where would we be without these people? These are good things. They're good teachers. We need those, and we need to learn. We need to uh, uh, continue to learn. I don't think you ever get old enough that you ever quit learning. I want to continue to learn till the day I die. Continue to study and to continue to learn and to continue to grasp. Amen. And so it's a good thing. Those are all good things. And this is a good thing to do. Praise God. And uh, uh, where would we be without them? But many times God has used men just like this because of their knowledge. In the Old Testament, uh, God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of their wisdom and because of their knowledge and everything that they had, praise God, the Lord used them to work with the different kings. And so uh, God used them in the Old Testament. Uh, Paul in the New Testament was used mighty of the Lord because of his wisdoms in the gospel that he could be able, he sat under the uh, seat, praise God, of some of the greatest teachers of that day. Gamaliel was one of them. And uh, Paul learned so much from Gamaliel. And uh, he was able to instruct and he was able to correspond with some of the kings that would change some of the laws and so uh, Paul in uh, was able with his knowledge amen to be able to write most of the New Testament because of his ability to know Moses was another one that had been learned under the house of Pharaoh and uh, was knowledge he wrote the first Five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Because of his knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing, and I, I believe that we all need to become smart in one way or another. 
there's nobody that is dumb in everything. We all have our wisdom in a lot of things and our smarts in a lot of things. Praise God. But that's knowledge in this world. And that's a good thing. Praise the Lord. And I don't want to put that down. And I don't think the Bible wants to put that down. Hosea 4 and 6 says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Uh, the word skill here is skita in the Greek, and it means intelligent. The word knowledge here means, uh, or it's medena in the Greek, medena, and it means intelligence. Praise God. So God says his people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, amen, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Praise God. When you fear God, it's nice to be smart, but it is more important to be smart with the fear of the Lord. Smarts is one thing. Have you ever noticed people that can be extremely smart, but they do stupid stuff? Praise God. They're really smart, but they do dumb things. Smart is the ability to know. Knowledge is the ability to know how to do. And the Bible says the beginning of wisdom, praise God, or the beginning of knowledge. Amen. The beginning of wisdom, amen, for the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, and knowledge is the ability to be able to do. And so we have to have God help us even do the things that we've learned how to do. David was very wise with the sling, or very good with the sling. If you would have a, 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 a lamb way out, instead of leaving the flock, he would peck that lamb off with that rock. And he would ping that lamb, probably in its hind end, that lamb with the pain, feeling it going through his body, would turn and run back into the middle of the flock. And it saved him from going. And so he was very good with the sling. And so with that, God says, I will take your ability with the sling and I will allow you to kill a giant. Praise God. And knowledge in this world is a wonderful thing. But the, the fear of the Lord, understanding that Amen. And, and I've often said, I have found that the smarter I get, the dumber I know I am. Praise God. It's great to be smart, but I'm telling you something. It's horrible when it goes to your head. Amen. And you don't, you don't lean on God or trust God anymore. You know that God is the one that's got to use you. And when God does use you, when David killed that giant... He knew, praise God, that he's the one that had the ability. But he also knew that God was the one that used him. And so when those two things come together in this life, praise the Lord, we need wisdom. We need to be smart. I don't care how old you are. I, acknowledge, I encourage you, learn things, study things, understand things. Praise God. And it, it's, it's a great thing to do. And God wants us to do that. Amen. And he wants us to do that. Knowledge of this world comes through studies, but wisdom on how to use it actually comes from God. Because the Bible said the Holy Ghost came so that you could, he could guide you and 
into all truth. I was thinking last night, the Holy Ghost is like a filter. And everything that comes to you, the Holy Ghost filters it. And lets you know, this is good, this is not good. This is right, this is not right. Jesus tells us in John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now he's talking about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost that was poured out on the day of Pentecost was poured out to give us power. It was poured out to give us comforting. It was poured out to give us many things. One of the things it was poured out to do was to lead and to guide us into all truth. Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost is the only thing that we uh, uh, learn from. But once again, I believe that the Holy Ghost is a filter. And it allows you to know when you hear preaching and that preaching doesn't sound right. Or the Holy Ghost says, mm-hmm. Or you hear somebody say something and the Holy Ghost says, mm-mm. Then you know, praise the Lord, that it is not what God wants to do, praise God, or the way that it is. But the, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That word fear there means the respect. You see, when people lose their respect for the Lord, then it, it, there, comes, there comes an attitude with that. There comes an attitude that I don't need you, God, because I know how to do it myself. I was somewhere in a school the other day, and um, you, nobody will ever know and who it is, but a teacher was talking to me, and a student come up, and they had did something, a project that they were told to do, and the project was not right. It was off. And uh, he told the teacher, he said, well, you told me that this is what I need to do, and it's not right. And I'm sitting here thinking, this teacher has taught for many years. He's about ready to retire. And you don't even know what you're talking about. And you are questioning this teacher on what he told you. And the teacher told him, he said, Real calmly and without being, uh, you know, uh, acting or letting him know that he had unearthed him or anything. He was just real calm, you know, you, <laughs> you know. And he just told him. He said, "Well, this is what you did wrong." And the student started to walk away. And I smiled and I said to the student, "I said, remember, you're the student, you're learning." And uh, the teacher's like. Yeah, you're learning. That's what this is for, is to learn. And when we come to God and we have the attitude that we know it all, I've gotten smart enough. There's people that have gotten smart in this life enough that they think they know it all. They think they, they have no respect for God nor the things of God. Um, now, there are times when I wonder what is going on, and I'll say, Lord, I'm not sure what's happening here, but I know you know what you're doing. And, uh, and so, but it's, it's, it's great to have knowledge and understanding and you need to do that and you need to study and you need to read and you need to do those things. And, but on the other hand, 
Amen. You need to understand also that, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost, you still need to have respect for the Holy Ghost. And you still need to do what the Holy Ghost, you, you never need to disrespect the Holy Ghost. You, you'll never, we'll never be as smart, we'll never understand it all, praise God, and, and we'll never get away from the Holy Ghost. Now, um, teaching is a good thing. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, when my children uh, went to go to Christian school, when my, George went to go to Christian school, um, they, uh, they told him, they said, sent a, sh- a slip home. And the slip said, amen, that I had to sign it saying that I believe in the Trinitarian doctrine in the Christian school. And so... The churches in the past, um, because our colleges were so uh, atheism and everything else, they started to pull the kids and discourage our our Christian kids in going to college, and and not a, a allowing that, and saying you know you can't go to a college. And what that did was um, that made a vacuum for uh, our colleges to have more college people that felt like that. So i tell you what I did with George. Um, they sent this slip home saying, you have to believe in the Trinitarian doctrine, uh, and you have to sign this paper to say that you do. So I required a, uh, a meeting with them. And uh, I, uh, the, I had people say to me, you're sending him to a school that believes in the Trinitarian doctrine? And I said, why should I be afraid of that? He understands the oneness. And I said, and there's no way they're going to trick him. They don't even understand the Trinitarian doctrine themselves. I said, this is good for him. Here's the thought that I want to give to you. Why would I withhold him from going to a school when he's going to live his life in a world that he's going to struggle with the same thing. Okay? And so I said to him, I said, I, I, well, when they sent that paper, I knew that we was going to have to deal with it. So I went to the school, and I was there with the board, and I was there with the president. And so when they opened it up to me, I just find, I did not attack them. I did not go after them. I just simply said, let me explain to you about one God. And I explained to them how God, the Father, was the creator, how when he was the Son, he was the Redeemer, and how today he is the Holy Ghost, but it's the same spirit that flows through all of us. The president looked at the board and said, I can see that. I understand that. And the board said, well, that's what we believe. And I said... No, I don't want to press the issue. But I said, the Trinitarian doctrine. And she held her hand up. She said, don't worry about it. There's not going to be a problem. And they, they never required anybody to sign the Trinitarian doctrine from that day on. Amen. Praise God. I, I, um, I, I think, you know, I mean... And then one of the school teachers, this is long ago, so I can talk about these things. 
One of the school teachers was extremely furious about it. Good man. I love him. He's my friend today. But he told George in front of the class, he said, I want you to write, he said, a report on the oneness doctrine. So George come home. He said, Dad, what are we going to do? I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We sat down. I wish I'd have kept it. But I wrote a oneness doctrine, and 90, at least 95% of it was scripture. And I said, take this and give this to him. And he did, and we heard nothing from then on. Praise God. What I'm saying to you today is I'm saying, amen, that we don't have to back down. We shouldn't have a bad attitude and a bad spirit about it, okay? But I don't have to back down in our educational system. I just need to take a rightful stand. I need, there's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with education in this world. Praise God. Because God is going to use educated people. I think we've missed being closer to God than we would. Now, let me, let me just say this. If we're walking through a woods and you look over and you see a mushroom, and I don't know anything about mushrooms, and you say to me, is that an edible mushroom? Well, I can say yes. And by the time we get out of the woods, find out whether it was or not, but you'd be dead. Or I could say, no, don't eat that mushroom. And in, in, in the Christian world, sometimes it's a lot safer to say, amen, no, we don't believe in TV. Or no, we don't want education. But looking back at it, now I respect them for that. I honor them for that. I appreciate them for that. I never, I always have respect for somebody that does things to be holy. When somebody does something to live for the Lord, I respect that. I, I'm, I'm glad for that. But looking back, I'm thinking how much better would we have been in our educational system if we would have just taught our young people about the true oneness of God and His creation and sent them to college. And let them, praise God, infiltrate that college and bring it down. Praise God, in a, in a rightful manner. And so, amen, when it comes to the Spirit teaching us, amen, there's nothing wrong with learning in this world as long as you let the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're not sure of your Bible and the things of the, of the Word of God, then you better be cautious, but whenever you're, when you're sure of your word of God and your Bible, amen, there's nothing wrong with taking training in this world and going into different training. The Bible also talks about wolves in sheep's clothing, if you'll stand with me. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raven wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
Praise God. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by this scripture's where it's at. Therefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Jesus is teaching us here that external, praise God, appearances can be deceptive. We live in a world where external appearances can be deceptive. You see, the root determines the fruit. Just because a gift is in operation does not mean that that person is holy and right before God. Just because a person, the Bible says, the gift of God is without repentance. Once somebody gives, once God gives somebody a gift, praise God, then that gift, if it's a gift of healing, if it's a gift of knowledge, whatever that gift is, praise God, that person can be so off and it, it be wrong. There are many people that have the gift of healing and use healing. Jesus tells of a story of someone that comes to him and says, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we speak in tongues? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? He doesn't stop them and say, no, you didn't. They must have done that. He simply looks at them and he says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. In other words, their fruits were not right. We walk with the Lord. I'll tell you what. Amen. You know, if, if when we get through this life, amen, you, you ask yourself the question, do you want to be well known with others of you being a great person or whether, you, or whether would you be saved? Praise God. A lot of people care what people think about them, but they don't, they're not concerned about their relationship with the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to drop down real fast and just read something. It's good timing. I love this. It's called The Man in the Glass or The Man in the Mirror. Praise God. It, it's a poem. It says, when you get what you want in your struggles for life, and the world makes you king for a day, then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. For it, is, it, it isn't a man's father nor mother nor wife whose judgment upon him must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts the most in life is the man staring back at him from the glass. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with a clear, or I'm sorry, he's with you clear to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the man in the glass is your friend. You can fool the whole world down to uh, down the pathway of years and get past on and get pats on the back as you pass. But the final reward will be heartache and tears. 
if you've cheated the man in the glass. Praise God. And I think that is so true. We live in a world today where people are more interested in their gifts than they are their fruits. Now, let me give you a story today. Amen. First of all, gifts are given. God gave the gifts. And, and sometimes you look at somebody he gave a gift and you're thinking, why in the world did he give that person a gift? I don't know, but he gave, he gave them a gift. But fruits are grown. Gifts are like tools. There was a man one day, he called his neighbor over. And he said, come, I want to show you. And he took him out to his shed. And he showed him his hoe, his beautiful shiny hoe. He showed him his rake. And he showed him his plow, and he showed him everything that he had. And he bragged about the big, beautiful garden that he had put in and everything that he had grown. Lo and behold, his wife came by. She heard him talking. She leaned back and said, Ned, you know better than that. You've never gardened in all your life. Praise God. Now, the gardening tools were the tools or the gifts. But the, but the garden would have grown the fruit. It takes a lot more to grow fruit than it does have the tools. And a man or a woman's actions is their fruit. We are told in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. Praise God. We have to be careful, because we live in a world where people can look so great on the outside, but not be great on the inside. When someone that God has put in leadership is not right, the best thing you can do is find somewhere else to go. Saul and David understood that. David understood that. Saul knew that, or David knew that Saul was a mad king. But even though David was a mad, or even though Saul was a mad king, Saul still had the anointing of God upon him. And whenever God still uses, you know, God uses things, people like Pharaoh. He set Pharaoh up. Pharaoh would have never gotten as far as he wanted, as he did, if God did not set him up. Anybody that tried to tear Pharaoh down, even though they said, you know, he's not right, and I'm going to go after him, and I'm going to take him down, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Praise God. God would have had to deal with them and say, no, you're not. I've got a purpose in Pharaoh. You see, I'm using him. I'm using his gifts. He may not have the fruit, but he's got the gift. And I'm using the gift. And like David, David said, Saul is in the place that God has put him. So anybody that's in leadership, 
It is not a good thing to go after them, or you will be dealing with God. David said, I'm not going to go after Saul or bring him down. Saul couldn't get his hands on David, and David could have killed him at least twice, but didn't. Praise God. Because David understood you don't touch God's anointed, and you don't do him no harm. God is going to take care of Saul in time. And David waited. Now, the amazing thing was, there's a, a, a little bit of logic behind this. And that is, if David would have brought Saul down, he would have had the blood on his hands from that day on. But since he allowed God to do it, he was able to walk into the kingship free. And so David was like, and another thing was, if David would have brought, if David would have rebelled against Saul, Absalom, his son, when he rebelled against David, would have been successful. But because David didn't rebel against Saul, he man, and, and it's the fact that you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Whatever you do, they're going to do to you. So here's the deal. If you're rebellious against your authority, then those that will follow you will be rebellious against you. And if they are rebellious against you, and you have not rebelled against your authority, they will not succeed in coming against you. Praise God. Because you, so David, so if you ever have someone in leadership that is not right before God, the best thing you can do is go somewhere else. Don't attack them. Don't go after them. Praise God. When somebody that God has put in leadership is not right, the best thing that you can do is find somewhere else to follow. As a rebel going against the authority, amen, is the seed that you don't want to. I was in a church one time where the church had split and the church that was there, we was loving God, we was moving on, things were going great, and there was horrible things that were being done against them. And someone stood up and asked me, said, Brother White, how can they act like that? And we have to act like this. And I just simply said, do you want to reap the seeds that they are sowing? No, I said, there you go. So just remember that, praise God. When, uh, you know, when God is using, amen, someone, it's, it's, you know, your brothers and your sisters. You know, I, I had four children, and when one of my children, when they were younger, and one of my children, I would start to have to get on one of them, and the other one would cut in there and try to correct them, <laughs> I'd have to back them off and say, no, you know, I mean, I'm supposed to be dealing with child A here. Now child B is getting in the middle of it. Now I'm going to have to deal with you. And I think God does that with us. Praise God. God's dealing with his children. And when we get in there and when we try to correct them or something, and, and you have to correct people. You understand what I'm saying. But when you go around thinking you're going to correct everyone, you're getting in, in between you and them and God, and you don't want to do that. Praise God. Amen. And so when, let's talk about, you know, 
the fruits. The fruits. The fruits is something that comes in a time. It takes time for fruits to come. And a child of God that's bringing forth fruits. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Without faith, there is, you know, all those fruits. Praise God. A child of God will bring those fruits. Uh, some people are very gifted in many ways. They may be gifted in speaking. That's Boy, that's very powerful. When you're gifted in speaking. And there are preachers that are gifted in speaking, but they're not living the life. And there are preachers that are gifted in talents, and they're not living the life. And if you don't watch, your talent can end up becoming the way that you live and not your relationship with God. And so they are, they're not living right or they're not acting right. It's a hologram. It's, it's, uh, you've all seen, praise God, where the earth fell out. What do they call that when it falls out? Um, it, it's all of a sudden it opens up, the earth opens up and a sinkhole. Yes. Thank you. I preached on that one time and there are people that have sinkholes on the surface. Everything looks great. The house looks great. The garden's great. Everything's great. Underneath is this sinkhole in their, in themselves. And all of a sudden you see them, they go horribly wrong and you think, what in the world happened to them? They were great people. And all of a sudden, it's because underneath of their surface was a sinkhole. And that sinkhole, praise God, eventually broke away. When you deal with people, when you deal with the ministry, and, 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 and things aren't right, and things don't look right, or things don't come up right, you know, you may say, man, he's a great preacher. He preached a great message. And uh, he, he really... He really must be a man of God because he could speak well. Look at him speak well. That doesn't mean that man has, does, uh, has a relationship with the Lord. But I'll tell you what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us the wise, spiritual, godly people prove all things. They watch and they say, I'm going to prove you know, when somebody comes around and I'm not quite sure about them, I think, in time, I will learn. You know, I, I, I'm so glad that Mike and Christy Kay are married. But before they got married, amen, I never pulled my shotgun out and said to any of the boys or whatever, this is my shotgun. And I'm, they did not know I was going to kill them until they were dead if they did something they shouldn't have. I played as dumb as I could. I didn't know a thing that was going on, although all along I knew what was going on. And you're wise when you do that. Praise God. And you just wait and you prove it. You learn in time. When somebody comes along and they're not right with the Lord, they could speak well, they could look well, they could have the talents, they could play the music, they could do everything. But you just sit back and you wait and you allow God to prove it. And you watch for the fruits. God is more interested in the fruits. But sometimes as a church and as an organization, we're more interested in the talent and their ability. But God is interested in the fruits. Praise God. 
gifts can be used now, but, amen, fruits is something that's going to take time. Last but not least, fruit is the test. Fruit is what we're looking for. We are born with a sinful nature, but Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. So we, the Bible talks about us having to be engrafted. Because I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, that is my natural ability. But the Bible talks about engrafted, and when you engraft, you take the limb off, and you cut it, and then you cut a good limb, and you put it in its place, and then you wrap it, and then you allow that good limb, praise God, to start feeding off that bad plant, and it starts bringing good fruit. And the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost being engrafted in us, where we don't have the ability to bring forth good fruit, but the Holy Ghost engrafted in my life. And I will be the first to tell you, without a doubt, I would not be the man I am today, whatever that is, if it was not for the Holy Ghost living inside of me. I would not be, I might be an okay guy, but I would not be I would not have been as good as I was without the whole, without living in the Holy Ghost. I say, God, I gotta live in you. I gotta have you. I've gotta walk with you. I've got, I've gotta obey you. Praise God, because I will go crazy. I will do things I shouldn't do. Praise God. So we have, we're engrafted in that. Second Thessalonians two and ten says. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness of them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. We have to have the love of the truth that they might be saved. Praise God. Amen. Jesus tells us in John 8 and 32, he says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so we've got to love the truth. We've got to know the truth. Uh, Truth delivers, truth uh, liberates, and truth saves. Praise God. And only the worship that's done in, 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 uh, in spirit and in truth, will uh, God will expect us. But Proverbs 23 and 23 says that we've got to buy the truth. Buy the truth. So if you have to buy the truth, it obviously costs something. So when you've got to buy the truth, sometimes it's hard to tell the truth, isn't it? Some people kind of get scared. And so before they know it, they'll lie because they're afraid of telling the truth. They're more fearful of the truth. And it might be something that they shouldn't really be fearful of, but they're afraid of it. And it costs us. It always costs us to tell the truth. Sometimes I have to pay more money. Sometimes I don't get the discount that I could get if I was truthful about the the thing. It costs, it says, buy the truth. In other words, there is a price for truth. And then it says, sell it not, praise God. In other words, amen, don't make anything on the truth. Buy it, pay out, and sell it not. Don't make any money on it. Because, amen, buy the truth and wisdom and instruction. Here it goes back to where I started out with. And wisdom and instruction... Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. So you buy the truth. The truth is the word of God, of course. 
Jesus told Pilate, Pilate, you know, it just blows my mind. Pilate's standing there, and he says, truth, truth. You know, everybody told truth. The Sadducees told him the truth was one thing. The Pharisees told him the truth was the other. The scribes told him the truth was the other. Herod told him the truth was the other. I mean, when you live in that kind of world, amen, it's like not knowing where you're at. If I did not know, praise God, that this pulpit was stationary here and this church was stationary here, I would not know my way home. Things would really get distorted. And if you don't know the truth, if you... Live in a world where nothing is true, then you can be all messed up. You don't even know, you, 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 you can't even function right. And Pilate was in that world because he said to the, Jesus, he said, what is truth? They're saying it's true to crucify you. The disciple says it's true not. What, what is truth? And when you live in a world of not truth, that's why we've got to hold to the word of God. We've got to have the understanding of God's word. Praise God. We have to get wisdom. We have to get instruction. We have to get understanding. We have to get these things. But we have to let the Holy Ghost be our filter of what is right and what is not right. And we've got to let the Holy Ghost lead and guide us into all truth. Someone told me one time, I don't need anything else other than the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will lead and guide me into all truth. That's what the scripture said. And I said, well, amen, then the rest of the word is, is not good because the Bible said he sent preachers and teachers and all these other things. But the Holy Ghost is the filter that allows you to know what is true, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding, to give you those things. And understand, amen, no matter how smart you get in an area, you still need God, and God, I still need to be in the Spirit. Praise God. But you have to buy truth. There's a price for it. And so that you can get understanding. I've got a saying I tell myself every once in a while. I'll say the truth is worth more than it costs, and a lie always costs more than it's worth. Praise God. You want the truth. Live in the truth. Live in understanding. Live in the knowledge of God. Let the Holy Ghost lead and guide you. Praise God. And once again, I encourage you. Learn. Don't stop learning. Learn in this life. Learn in the Bible. Learn... Keep your mind going. Keep learning. That's a good thing to do. Praise God. But always understand. Amen. That God is the one that's in control. Amen. And always respect him. Always have respect for him. Let's all stand. Praise God. The Lord is good, isn't he? Amen. Lord, we love you and praise you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your presence and your spirit, asking you, Lord, to let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. God, let us go, dear Lord, and be in you. God, I'm going to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?